Hi everyone, it's Motley again, and hope you're keeping warm on this cold uh, November day. Need to crack on today, uh, got a lot to do. Uh, got to go and see Spurs, and probably by the time you hear this, I'll either be celebrating wildly, or as I suspect, be in the depths of a deep winter depression. So, um, picking up from where we were last week and where we were. So, uh, no more storms. Uh, storm drain has subsided for the time being. And whilst on the horizon there's always a storm carol ready to blow up a whirlwind of um, filth and fury. And I think the fortunate thing is that Storm City is to the A uh, to the B A. Uh, that was just a wet fart. So, uh, Suella, Suella, um, it's gone off to a witch's coven, spawned some bat's heads and cast more evil spells. I think she's probably sulking because her mate Nigel is currently across the other side of the world in Australia. So, Suella, um, earlier this year, her and Gary Lineker had a bit of a spat. Um, Gary had been the golden boy of English football, never been booked or sent off, and he moved to a successful radio and TV host. He'd been top scorer in the 1986 World Cup, pooed himself in the 1990 semi-final against Germany. But in March of this year, he criticised the government's asylum policy on Twitter, basically saying that what Suella Braverman uh, was doing and her comments was beyond awful and called the government's policy an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that was not dissimilar to uh, to that used by German Germany of the 1930s, which didn't go down well with Suella, Cruella, and probably most of the Conservative uh, Party. So that was at the beginning of March, and then the BBC said that Lineker would have to step back from his job as Match of the Day uh, host because it considered his recent social media activity to be a breach of their guidelines. And it's decided that he wouldn't present Match of Day until there was a clear and agreed position on the use of social media. Now, I think that's a shame because people who are in high profile, surely it's part of their personality to comment on things, comment on issues, speak their mind. Okay, it doesn't have to match with government policies, but as long as they're not breaking any rules or regulations, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, the, the BBC's guidelines, because I don't think they necessarily had any guidelines, but I would rather have these people who are being paid a lot of money speaking up, and speaking their mind, you need to know what people think. And if it's critical of the government, so what? Um, as long as it's not defamatory or anything like that. And I think that whole thing is just about free speech. What can we say? As long as it doesn't bring the organisation where somebody works into disrepute, then surely people have got opinions. I think these days, there's so many people who are scared to speak their mind, voice an opinion. And it worries me that you can't speak up about things. This poem is called Free Speech. Everyone can have their say. USA today, England here today. Tonight, let's challenge the airwaves. Use the world and the satellites 
to the right of free speech, to what's left of free speech. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a voice. But you don't like what I say. It gets filtered out. Crap and crass and it goes blander. Frequencies propagate propaganda. Democratic views but outspoken. Apathy turns to statements token. We must tow the government's stance. Silence is a passive acceptance. Jew and black now defamed, irritant, sore and inflamed. Stone the book, bookshops and burn the books. Attractions of the thieves and crooks. Make it fast, like it at an election. Like a vote, make the connection. Either use it or lose it. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, you've got it. Check the kids and turn the locks. Petrol through the letterbox. And in the car park, burning, burning crosses make me mad, make me sad. Glint of knife, fist comes down. Flash of gunfire, I fall down. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody can have their say. Yeah, right. So, Gary Pooey Pants, he say 1986 World Cup, 1990 World Cup, but he never got to a third World Cup uh, to continue his goal-scoring feats and soiling himself again because we failed to qualify um, for the 1994 uh, World Cup and that tournament was my favourite, it was bonkers, it had the lot, um, it saw the end of Diego Maradona's World Cup career. Um, it, now he had played in the 82, 86 and 1990 World Cups and he led Argentina to the 1986 World Cup title um, with his infamous hand of God and a, and a brilliant goal as well. Um, and they got to the final of the 1990 World Cup. But in 1984, uh, sorry, 1994, Maradona was expelled um, after he failed a drug test that uncovered ephedrine uh, in his blood, which was a weight loss drug. Um, he was always a bit of a chubby little fella. Um, so that saw the end of Maradona. Um, and then there was Colombia, um, who had got great expectations. Um, They'd qualified with great ease uh, from South American qualifying. And they were really um, expected to go far. But it, it all fell apart and failed to get out, out of the group. And it was dogged by uh, rumours of influences, betting syndicates and drug cartels. And the co their coach received death threats over the squad selection and then um, there's a guy called Andres Escobar who scored an own goal against the USA which effectively saw them that ended their whole uh, World Cup um, when he got back to Colombia uh, and he was in his hometown of Medellin uh, he was shot dead so we had Maradona with his failed drugs test and, you know, the Colombians falling apart and drugs and what have you. And the opening ceremony of the World Cup, and it's held at Chicago's uh, Soldier Field. And it was emceed by Opera Winfrey. And they had Diana Ross, who did a little singing and dancing performance and just that grand opening she was supposed to kick a ball into a goal uh, from a penalty spot and the ball with the whole idea was that kicked it into the goal and it would split in two but she kicked the ball and it went high wide and handsome similar to a Chris Waddle or Stuart Pierce penalty but they Goalposts collapsed anyway, um, in accordance with a stun, stunt that had been planned. So it was all this uh, American razzmatazz. You had it, you know all this going on. 
and that World Cup it was taking it took place just as the world was coming out of the end of the Cold War, War as it was then and it was the first time that Russia had competed in the World Cup as Russia not the Soviet Union and Germany who you know won the, those, the previous holders they were as Germany not West Germany uh, there's no East Germany and it was a totally united nation so that was the first time since 1938 that Germany had taken place as a whole country and the whole thing was bright and colourful and I think from my perspective it took a lot of the pressure off of you know wanting England to do well and worrying about things I enjoyed it and thoroughly enjoyed it as an entire spectacle it was bright it was colourful you had Nigeria's super eagles who did really well Roger Miller from Cameroon became the oldest goal scorer in the World Cup you had countries like Bulgaria who got to a semi-final and those Romania who were my personal favourites and they had this bright yellow kit and they um, it, it was against Argentina um, they that's when um, they were led by Georgie Hatchie who was known as the Maradona of the Carpathians and they went into that match against Argentina as um, very much the underdogs and it was probably one of the best um, games certainly of the tournament but possibly in um, World Cup history so um, and I like you know that it, it brought that whole colour and charisma it was attacking football and Romania's an interesting place not just because it was you know sort of like the home of Vlad the Impaler you know the, this guy who on whom the legend of Dracula was based you know living in Transylvania but it it was you know it had been a communist country after the second world war um, and as a country it wanted to become you know an economic powerhouse and under General Ceausescu it looked to industrialize and it had been prior to that it had been largely agricultural nation with a large peasant population Ceausescu created new towns and built factories but for factories to work you needed that workforce and provided housing which was mainly in the form of high-rise flats but for that to be achieved there needed to be displacement of the rural population from the countryside into the towns and cities however those that had to move and had to they had to leave their animals behind horses you know the, the farmyard animals also that included pets and that included dogs no dogs were allowed in these high-rise flats and this led to large number of dogs that were abandoned and just left left to fend for themselves and dogs being dogs they breed and the numbers grew and it was uncontrolled breeding so by the 2010s um, this has become a major problem and there's a spate of dog attacks on children in parks and it became a big election push uh, that who was going to solve this problem of these wild dogs so what they had to do was come up and eliminate the problem and by eliminate I mean exterminate these strays kill shelters were set up and people got paid to catch any dogs so dogs catchers and it was quite a substantial sums of money that you know was being offered so people would just 
go around picking up any dogs and getting paid for it and take them to these kill shelters. And it was, it could have been, you know, a wild dog. It could have been a stray dog or a lost dog, a family pet that had got out. But they were taken to kill shelters and exterminated. There's no discrimination between a good dog and a bad dog. They're all lined up for uh, extermination. Now, there's various charities are set up in the UK to try and save these dogs and give them a good home in, in the UK and prevent them being on death row. And it was June 2021, I lost my best friend, Loki. I still miss so much to this day. Um, but we decided to get two of these rescue dogs from Romania. So, Suella, I'm sorry, but I aided and abetted asylum seekers, illegal immigrants, refugees, whatever words you choose to use. Do I care? No. I saved two lives. So, um, going back to where we were, um, in Romania, the names of the players were great. As say, there's Georgie Hatchi, uh, but the names are just rolled off the tongue. Um, Georgie Popescu, Ilya Dumitrescu. Uh, it, it, I love words like that. The, the capital of Uruguay is Montevideo, which I think is, is the best sounding capital country in the world. And I had all these names, and Georgie Popescu. Uh, Ili Dumitrescu, they ended up at Spurs and Chelsea got uh, Dan Petrescu. So this poem is about Romania. It's about abandoned dogs. It's called Death Row Dogs. Georgi Popescu, Ili Dumitrescu, Nicola Ceausescu, Dan Petrescu. It's a pet rescue. We didn't come here from Ethiopia. We didn't come here from Somalia. We didn't come here from Nigeria. We didn't come here from Australia. We didn't come here from Narnia. We didn't come here from Albania. We are the dogs. We are the dogs, the death row dogs. We are the unwanted refugees. From persecution we free. We didn't come here by boat. We didn't swim or float. We didn't come here in the back of a lorry. We are so sorry. We didn't come here by dinghy. We didn't come here by thingy. From persecution we flee. We are the unwanted refugees. We are just dogs. We are the dogs. We are the dogs. We are the dogs from death row. Death row dogs. When peasants were moved to the cities, they were given high-rise flats, but there was no room for their pets. Had to let them go, to wander the streets, abandoned. Had to fend for themselves, feeding off brick and stone and scraps, dirt and shit. Scared and shivering, frightened, cowering all alone in a total war zone. Kids chased with clubs and sticks, got tagged and bagged caged, imprisoned, a systematic extermination euthanasia. We are the dogs, we are the dogs, we are the dogs from death row, death row dogs. Just looking for a home, just looking for a companion, just looking for empathy, just looking for that human touch, not asking for much. A dog is for life, a life is for dog. So, that's Death Row Dogs. We are the dogs! We are the dogs! We didn't come here from Ethiopia. We didn't come here from Somalia. We didn't come here from Australia. We didn't come here from Nigeria. We didn't come here from Albania. We didn't come here from Narnia. We came from Romania. We are the dogs.
We are the dogs. We are the dogs from death row. We are the dogs from death row. We are the death row dogs. We didn't come here by boat. We didn't come here by lorry. We didn't come here by digging. We didn't come here by digging from protection. We flee. We are the unwanted refugee. We are the dogs. We are the dogs. We are the dogs from death row. Death row dogs. 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 Georgie Papescu, Ilya Dominescu, Nikola. Dan Pet Rescue is a pet rescue. We are the dogs. We are the dogs. We are the dogs from Death Row. The Death Row Dogs. 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 Move out Petos workers from the city to gave them high-rise flats But there was no room for pets And to accept them To wander the streets Abandoned to fend for themselves Fading off brick and stone Dirt and shits and cover and low In a war zone Skin and shivering Friday We are the dogs we are the dogs. We are the dogs from death row. Death row dogs. We are the dogs from death row. We are the dogs from death row. Death row dogs. Kids chased with clubs and sticks, attacked and back against in prison. Systematic extermination. Euthanasia. We are the dogs. We are the dogs. Just looking for a home. Just looking for compassion. Waiting for empathy. Just looking for a human touch. Not asking for much. We are the dogs. The death row dogs. Going back to sport, um, it brings out the best and worst in people. Sport can heal. It can teach the young, you know, good discipline, self-worth, sportsmanship. Actually, I'm not sure if it should be sportsmanship. Sportspersonship, as it should be now. I remember at school, after a match, uh, or every match we played, We'd have to shake hands with opponents and do three cheers. What, you know, whether we won, lost, or drew, it was all if we won, hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray. But if we lost it, we'd be hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray, hip hip. But we did it, and it was that whole idea of sportsmanship. And it, you know, it certainly taught me ideals. But it's when nationalism and parochialism, um, that when that creeps in, that's when sport becomes toxic. Uh, hosting a big sporting event can work wonders for a country. Uh, it's a chance for the host nation to showcase that country, you know, what it's got to offer, which can be a good thing. It can galvanize a nation. We saw it uh, with the Olympics here, it's held in London back in 2020, uh, 2012. We had old fat Boris getting stuck on the zip wire. We had the Queen meeting James Bond. And everybody got involved. Um, and, the, you know, we'd get involved and get excited about obscure events like I don't know, archery or Greco-Roman wrestling or tiddlywinks, whatever it was. And again... When we got the European Championships, um, football championships in 
2021 20, a lot of it was held although it's a european event a lot of the matches were held in england this is all post covid and we got to the final and that was the weekend that we got kira and luana and it all went a bit wrong on the pitch um there's a lot of geezers doing the jib and getting in they're all tanked up on beer or chisel or whatever it was and we lost on penalties and to italy and i say it was that weekend that we got the girls and i don't know what they probably thought get me back to romania stay away from these um you know all the shouting and swearing and falling in the dog bed um what i was doing so i'm not sure if they fully appreciated um the comfort and loving home that uh, i was providing them but i say we lost on penalties to italy and it was after the match where it all really went wrong and so we lost on penalties and the three players who missed penalties um they were all black and they all received racist abuse and there's a song at the start of the next season about sancho and uh, marcus Rush rashford letting the country down and that echoed around the grounds up and down the country and although it was probably started out as footy banter uh, i think it's man city and Leeds supporters because i'm Man United players, but it was picked up um, by these fucking racist idiots who just amplified the targeting of racial abuse to, you know, totally innocent people who are just going about their job. It's sport, it's not the end of the world. And it just gave it that more toxic exposure to non white players. It was also wrong. Um, because it was actually Bakari Saka who let the country down. I'm joking, he's an Arsenal player. Um, but I say that's where it all started to go wrong. And it's, it's that toxic nature of sport. People take it too personally. Um, enjoy the highs, remember the lows, but it's, it should be about enjoyment. So, talking of sport, Jesse Owens um, achieved international fame in the 1936 Berlin Olympics in Germany. But he won four gold medals, 100 metres, long jump, 200 metres, and the 4 by 100 relay. He was the most successful athlete in the Games, and as a black man, he was credited as single-handedly crushing Hitler's myth of the Aryan supremacy. Hitler had aimed at the Berlin Olympics, although it's sort of like peace and promoting sporting events. What Hitler was trying to do was showcase how good, how strong the Aryan race was, that they were the superior race. So Hitler was totally fucked off about that. Um, it, 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 he had expected that Germany would dominate the games. And it was Albert Speer, um, who was a Nazi minister in Hitler's government, saying how annoyed Hitler was um, that Biden, Jesse Owens, and it was stated that he, Hitler said that People whose ancestors came from the jungle were primitive. He said that their physiques were stronger than those of civilised whites and should be excluded from future games. So Hitler it was proposing that sports should be segregated between white and black. And it, it just, you know, just showed what a fucking bastard Hitler was but so you know Jesse Owen was seen as this hero 
And when he returned to America, um, he had difficulty earning a living. Despite all the international acclaim, he find work, found work difficult. He took menial jobs at times and he ended up racing against motorbikes and cars and trucks, even horses, to try and win cash prizes. And in response to people saying how great degrading it was for an Olympic champion to be running against a horse, uh, he said, what am I supposed to do? I had four gold medals, but you can't eat gold medals. So even in Nazi Germany, Owens had been allowed to travel and stay in the same hotels as white people. And which was slightly odd because in America, black Americans in many parts of the United States had to stay in segregated hotels that only accommodated black people. And although he returned, you know, when he got back and there's a ticket, ticket tape reception in New York and he's greeted by the mayor, after the parade, Jesse Owens wasn't permitted to enter through the main doors of the Waldorf Astoria. He had to uh, travel it to his own reception in a freight elevator. And it just, you know, we criticise Nazi Germany quite rightly, but the United States and the UK were extremely racism. That racism has not necessarily died out. I think that's, that's the worrying thing. So just before the Olympics, um, a chap called Adi Dazzler visited Jesse Owens in the Olympic Village and persuaded him to wear a pair of uh, running shoes, the Gebruder Dazzler Schuffer Fabric. And this was probably the first sponsorship um, made to uh, an African-American. It's probably a good move that um, Mr. Dazzler or Addy, that he called himself Addy um, as his given name, given name because Adolf, not a great name, uh, well, not amongst normal people. And when I say normal people, I mean non-neo-Nazis. Um, actually, there's one um, name worse than being called Adolf Hitler. And it, it, I read this in a book by Danny Wallace. So, and this is apparently true, but um, Danny used to um, deliver papers to somebody called Adolf Schittler. So that's probably the one name is worse than Adolf Hitler, Adolf Schittler. So uh, where was it? Uh, yeah, uh, Adi Dazzler. So um, when they, uh, you know, the liberation of, you know, Berlin from, from Nazis, when the American troops discovered the Dazzler um, footwear shoe factory, um, they were, you know, in the process of demolishing anything that to do with the Nazification. But they decided to um, leave it standing because um, they realised that, you know, that this factory could make um, basketball and baseball and hockey footwear. Uh, so it carried on with that. And it, I, I find this a fascinating story. So Addy had a brother called Rudy and they fell out. Um, nobody's really sure why these two brothers fell out. So we shut their, um, down the factory in 1948 and Addy um, decided to do his own business and they called it Addy Das. So it's found formation of Adidas. His brother decided to set up his own rival shoe company um, thought about calling it Rudy Das, but ended up on the name Puma. So I think it's quite fascinating that you had this these two brothers who founded these two major, you know, sportswear, primarily shoes, but branched out into a whole sportswear thing. 
And what was even, I find even weirder was that, you know, they had their own, um, you know, rival companies, but they had it in the same town. The headquarters were both in the same town where they grew up, which was um, Herzegonorach. And the nickname of the town was the town of Bent Necks because the people who lived there had the habit of looking down in each other's shoes to figure out whether they should talk to that person. So I think that would make a great film. So going back to Nazi Germany, and there's a word in German called Untersmensch, which means underman, subman, subhuman, which was a term that the Nazis used for non-Aryan people, for people that they saw as being inferior and it was often referred to as the masses from the east. So that included Jews and the Roma population, Slavs, um, which include Poles, Ukrainians, Serbs, Russians. And it also applied to uh, mixed race people, the mulata, and black people, along with people who were physically and mentally disabled, as well as homosexuals. Basically, the Nazis didn't like anyone and refer to them as untermensch because they were seen as being less than human. And their propaganda, so this is official propaganda by the government, stated it must be clear to everybody in Germany from the last milkmaid that these people um, were subhumans, the Poles, the Jews, the Gypsies, that they were inferior and it must be clear and clearly outlined until every citizen in Germany, it was encoded in their subconsciousness that every one of these groups, whether it be a farm worker or intellectual, should be treated like vermin. And that was an elected government. This is what the people had elected. They put forward this whole um, policy Fucking hell, you know, it is madness. And all of this was related to the concept of a life unworthy of life. So that included, and it, initially it was for severely disabled who were involuntarily euthanized. Um, and then that just grew and grew. It included homosexuals, it included the extermination of Jews. And that started on 1st September 1939, where Hitler signed an edict to that effect and they started using carbon monoxide to gas and murder disabled people. You should never forget this. Um, and that whole Berlin Olympics and what um, Jesse Owen did moves throughout the years and you had sort of like the black power salutes in the um, Mexico 1968 Olympics that trying to get rid of racism and using sport as a tool for this. So this poem's called Untermensch. Be a good sport, sport for all. I thought sport taught us to accept a bad decision in a situation of competition be gracious in defeat, magnanimous in victory. Lose and it's not the end of the world. The winner does not take it all untermensch. Addy Dazzler played a Bobby Dazzler, gave Jesse's shoes with spikes, two stripes, but no heroes return. Had to race, forced to race racehorses, an inequality philosophy, no just winners or losers, but so much more than that. The mythology of Olympians, given as a reason why untermensch. To be demonised, as was the fate after Mexico 68, a silent gesture to take the knee, the hiss of gas or fan the flames. Pay the price, pay the penalty for a missed penalty. Give any excuse to give abuse, a stench that pervades. Racial superiority, majority versus a minority. Gypsies, tramps and thieves, Jews and Slavs, underman, subhuman, less than man, less than Aryan, 
degenerates, less than dogs, untermensch, less than human, you who say it, you who do it, you are the untermensch, less than human, less than dogs, you are the untermensch. Dass wir intolerante, unverträgliche Menschen sein. Wir wollten, sagen Sie, mit anderen Parteien nicht arbeiten. Und dann, also ist es typisch deutsch, 30 Parteien zu besitzen. So, with the pigeons carrying a message of peace to the world, for 14 days Berlin will be the scene of the fiercest battles between 50 nations. Battles of peace. For 14 days, the eyes of the world will be on Berlin. And Germany wants to send away every one of her millions of visitors as a friend. Me against Bob's position. In a situation of competition, be gracious, be Anonymous is victory Lose that is not the end of the world The winner does not take it all Untas bitch Untas bitch Anti-pass the flame of Bokassan Change as he chooses the fight To strike but though it returns, it's easy to break, forced to break, break and force it, and in inequality, philosophy, no just winners or losers, but so much more than that, mythology is limpious, given as a reason why to be demonized, untastic!
dividing. So, what else has happened this week? On a sporting theme, England drew with North Macedonia. Wow, North Macedonia, for fuck's sake. Um, next World Cup qualifying, we'll be playing the Isle of Man or the Outer Hebrides. And as I said before, Suella's well missing Nigel because he's stuck in the uh, jungle doing I'm a Celebrity. And there's different amounts of money that's um, being quoted that Nigel Farage is being paid. Um, and there's a bit of an uproar about how a controversial politician should be given, you know, that chance to present himself, uh, you know, to the nation in a popular TV show. I think it's great. Um, I want to see what he's like. And what I don't want to see is him getting shouted at and drowned out um, by, you know, people who disagree with him. Let's hear what he's got to say. Let's hear his views. Um, let's listen to the man, understand what makes him tick. Um, and let's hear how he comes over, and which I'm sure will be comes over as a racist prick and I you know he's getting all voted to do all these tasks about eating kangaroo testicles I want don't want to know what bollocks is going in his mouth I want to hear the bollocks that's coming out of his mouth know your enemy understand them understand what makes them tick and I, I, I think it's quite concerning again this week and all jokes aside about Nigel Farage and God knows what he's going to do but what's going on in Europe in this you know Farage is best known for his Brexit plans but every country now seems to be pushing at that isolationist policy not being part of Europe not being part of the world protecting its own say this week uh, Gert Wilders um, had a shock victory in the Dutch elections which seems to confirm that up upward trajectory of that Europe's populist far-right parties um, which a continuing a steady march into the mainstream and it's not just you know about Farage, it's from Helsinki to Rome, Berlin to Brussels. They're climbing steadily in the polls, shaping the policies of the mainstream parties, making the mainstream parties become more nativist, more populist. And, you know, it's Italy, you've got the furthest right government since the Second World War. It's happening in Sweden. In Austria, the um, FPD is well ahead in polls, less than a year uh, from the next election. In Germany, which again is worrying the far-right AFD, has resurged from 10% to more than 21%, doubling it. Um, you've got all this going on in Europe. And then Thursday in Dublin, um, there's violent scenes because, again, it's this stuff that's spread on um, social media. A bit of a knife attack in the city centre, which left four people injured. And the whole thing escalated because it was seen as somebody, a migrant, somebody with a different religion um, perpetrated that crime. And there's a whole load of rioting and, you know, the police are saying that it was by a lunatic hooligan faction driven by far right ideologies. So it's scary times that we live in. And I just want to go back to sports and say it can be a good thing. And... I mentioned the World Cup in 1994, which was also the same year that the Winter Olympics were held in Lillehammer. And 
the Winter Olympics saw the return of um, Torval and Dean. And ice skating. It's my second favourite sport after football. And I suppose it's because I loved going ice skating when I was a teenager. I must have been at 16 and we'd go on these school trips to Silver Blades in Birmingham every month. And there were two main reasons. Firstly, it was a chance to meet girls who didn't know what I was kind of prick I really was. And I'd make all these clumsy attempts, attempts to lose my virginity. And second one was that um, there was a bar there and it gave us a chance to drink beer. I grew up in a small town and all the publicans knew that me and my mates were underage and refused to service. But at the ice rink, at the Silver Blades, they didn't know us and happily sold us their warm brewery leaven or whatever it was. And after a couple of laps of a rink and several fails, failed attempts to try and chat up girls, we'd have, head off to a bar, I swiftly neck about three pints. And the journey back always used to be, it seemed to take ages because the bus was having to stop for either people needing a piss or puking up. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed ice skating. And Torval and Dean, so 1994, returned um, to the Olympics. And Jane Torville, um never struck me as... Uh, as a sports person, she had, I think with her chubby cheeks and rosy cheeks, she always struck me that she should perhaps work in a sweet shop or sell cakes. And Christopher Dean, again, he didn't look like a, um, a sportsman. He'd been a policeman, which I think is probably even stranger because he wasn't, never struck me as one of these coppers who, get in the bed, you're fucking nicked. Um, you know, ACAB or Coppers of Bastards. He never struck me as one of those. So they, um, this was the first time that they'd uh, appeared in the Olympics because after they won their Olympic measure, measure gold medal, oh blimey, I'm different saying that. After they won their uh, gold medal 10 years ago in Sarajevo, um, they quit it and turned professional. So this is the big build-up, um, you know, the return to competition and try and recapture all those past glories. Uh, but what I found more um, interesting was that, yeah, it was taking place in Lillehammer. The scene of uh, Torval and Dean's uh, triumph was in Sarajevo, as I said, in what is now the capital of Bosnia. And, you know, they danced to Ravel's Bolero and it's brilliant and things like that. But what happened in those 10, intervening 10 years was that Sarajevo was part of Yugoslavia. And in those 10 years, it ripped apart by a full-on civil war with after the fall of communism. Um, you know, General Tito had kept all the Balkan states as a united nation after World War Two, But with this sweeping uh, air of liberation of nation states, it all fell apart into this horrible, bloody war um, based on local rivalries and ethnic cleansing. And Sarajevo was just blown apart. And there were atrocities all over the place in Kosovo, Montenegro. So the return of Torval and Dean was a poignant reminder to how things can change in just a matter of years, going from peace to war. Okay, they finished third um, and couldn't relive the triumphs of 10 years previously. And they did the routine called um, Let's Face the Music and Dance. So it's that whole thing about how sports and war are so entwined and I think it just shows the fragility of peace and serenity and how it can all change and that we are, are all skating on thin ice. It's called uh, Face the Music. 
Let's face the music and dance, a fairy tale couple to romance. And what a dance they did, and what a comeback they did. Jane and Chris on ice, they've done it twice. They seduce and entice, oh isn't it nice? They dance to perfection, flowers show the affection. Now we wait for the score. It's got to be sixes if not more, but wait, hang on, booze ring out. Only 5.5 from that flaming judge. Look, it's German. They always bear a grudge. And the crowd get angry and chant goes up. Two world wars and one world cup. Fixed and robbed and ultimately cheated, they stand dignified, bowed but defeated. And the national press carry on the fuss, jingoistic, nationalistic, everyone hates us. The public are outraged. They wanted much more, but Germans are always out to settle the score. It's participation that counts. Winning doesn't mean much. Mr. Assenmacher robbed us against the Dutch. Even at cricket, we're not destined to be winners, cheated by Indian ball-tampering seamers. We're not part of Europe. Never was, never will be. Isolation island mentality surrounded by sea. In 900 years, no one's conquered this land. Now a channel tunnel penetrates virginal England. Don't want intercourse with our motherland. Foreigners hate us, it ought to be banned. But let's move back to Torval and Dean. They say it's superb, just like a dream. Moving 10 years on from lost Yugoslavia to the ethnic divisions of central Bosnia. And amidst all the fuss and hullabaloo, a farewell performance given to Sarajevo. Children run sad and caught up in poverty. Ski runs transformed into makeshift cemeteries. Bullet-scarred taverns where they once stood to drink. A tank depot exists on a once great ice rink. An Olympian spirit of united nation. Now a country divided, full of confrontation. So much has happened in the last 10 years. Neighbours fight neighbours, confirming our fears. Thank God we're too busy hating everyone else. No time left to fight amongst ourselves. No more war of the roses or north against south. But don't hold your breath as I open my mouth. It couldn't really happen here with nothing to fear. Could it happen here? So in the meantime, let's take this chance. Let's face some music and dance. Make love, not war. So finally, it's easy to get sucked into a group um, formed by a like ideology. I think as humans always seem to form groups with people who've got similar thoughts. We seek out security of like minds. And this whole thing gets amplified, you know, particularly at uncertain times. And what people want is that certainty of others. Um, they don't want threats to their existence, their way of life, which I think is boring. Isn't it better to learn new things, mix with others whose life experience is different to our own? You know, it's it's surely better to have um, embrace new ideas, cultures, music, food, people. Um, Countries get split by local differences, and that can split entire consonants. We, you know, what I find worrying is we have it here, irrespective of race or religion, whether or not it's North against South, or, you know, at work, it's Coventry against Nuneaton, it's biochemistry versus hematology. Um, we form divisions so easily, and it's the difficult bit is reconciling those divisions. How about just not being in groups? How about just being an individual? How about just thinking for yourself? Don't be a sheep and follow the herd. Go out there and find things out for yourself. Just be yourself. So um, that's it for this week. Uh, next week's the last one in this series i'll be back for a christmas special but uh till next time have a good weekend and good week take care all bye bye